Good morning and welcome to church. I am Sophie and I'll give a recap of last week's sermon, which is the second part of the seven reasons why confessions work. We treated three before and they are confessions, so the seed of God's word in our hearts, confession causes faith to come and confession helps us to renew our minds to the word of God. The fourth one we treated last week is that confessions keeps the answers before us. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So also fear comes by hearing and hearing the lies of the devil. So why not just choose faith today? and through your confessions have the desired answers of what you want you know using the example of the satnav pastor davis explains to us how we can through confessions keep the answers before us just like the satnav sets direction um gives us direction when we are headed to a place the word of god in our mouth is like um the tool like a tool also that is used to convey us to where we are headed just like jesus and his disciples when they were going to cross the sea to the other side and jesus said let us go over to the other side they encountered the storm but that did not stop them from getting to the other side because jesus already said what he wanted so in the same light we may encounter roadblocks but we should know that the word of god in our mouth because we already said what we wanted we are going to have the answer so today sit back and enjoy this service as we continue learning the reasons why confessions work in our lives hallelujah hallelujah praise god father we thank you for the gift of life thank you for what you are going to do today thank you for the the word of god on my lips it's exactly like god himself is speaking May these words come out powerfully to touch lives and transform lives. May the veil be removed from our eyes. May we realize the power that we have in Jesus. Glorify your name. Edify your people in the name of Jesus. May these words be the right word that somebody needs to move to the next level in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Bless my vocal cords this morning to, to speak your words in simplicity that even a baby will understand in jesus name we pray hallelujah if you have been following us for the past 15 days we have been doing what we call confess to possess it's been an awesome experience for me and for other people part of the church who have been doing uh who are partaking of this exercise faithfully confessing the word of god so that we can be a partaker of what God has said. You know, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says that all things that pertain to life and godliness has already been deposited in us. That's the way the Passion Translation says it. All things that pertain to life, all things that pertain to the Zohe life, the life of God Himself, has been deposited in us. 
and all things that pertain to godliness, to be like God, to act like God, has been deposited in us. But they all come through the knowledge. We get to express them through the knowledge of God, through the right knowledge of God and that of Jesus Christ. And what that essentially is saying is, knowledge of God, the right knowledge of God is absolutely crucial to live the Christian life. So if you have a mindset that God is a killjoy or God uh, is the one putting sickness on you or God wants you to live in poverty or God is uh, the one who is training you through some adversity, then you have understood wrong. You have believed wrong. That knowledge of God, that wrong knowledge of God will mess up your life. But God wants you to prosper. God wants you to have the best of life. But you have to have the right knowledge of God. So the Bible here says all things that pertain to life, everything that relates to life, that pertain to life and godliness, God has already given to us. But it comes to the right knowledge, the right knowledge of God and that of Jesus Christ. So when we start talking about confession, we're talking about saying the same thing that God has said. Please don't forget that. Saying the same thing that God has said. So over the past couple of weeks, we have been talking about this confess, confess to possess. We're speaking about the reasons why confessions work, you know. And as as quickly as I want to get through it, I believe God just keep holding me back to keep honing on it. So today, I'm going to again continue what I said last week. I'm going to start from there. Um, is is this actually this message is a continuation of what I spoke last week when I said the word of God is like a sat nav. The word of God set the answers before you. So you might consider this to be part two, oh, part two of what I said last week. You know, the way the, the whichever way the God, God lives in your heart. But the key thing is, I want to talk to you today about somebody in the Bible who uh, spoke the word of God, had a smile and God a result. Obviously, in the, in, the, in the previous sessions, I've spoken about Jesus saying the same thing he wanted and getting the result. And some of them might say, it's Jesus, it's not a problem. So Jesus is like deity, you know, it's like for, yeah, he's, 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 he's in a class all by himself. I cannot do what he, he did. Even though in the book of John chapter 14, the Bible says, greater things than this you will do. Jesus Christ is saying to us that what I have done, you can do because I live in you, right? But today I'm going to be looking at a man called Elijah under the old covenant who set the direction of his life, the direction of things in his life based on what he said. Okay, but I'm sort of getting a bit ahead of myself. Let's go back. Let's go into the text. Mark 11, 23 to 24. Mark 11, 23 to 24. The Bible says, Truly I tell you, I'm reading the Amplified Version. Truly I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and be thrown into the sea and does not doubt at all in his heart. Where? In his heart. But believes that what he says will take place it will be done for him. So this person must speak to the mountain, give specific instruction to the mountain or whatever represents a mountainous situation in your life. You give specific instruction to it. You call that thing by name and give it an instruction, right? Okay, and then don't doubt in your heart. Don't doubt at all in your heart. Don't say, oh man, what if it doesn't work? When you do that, you are deviating into the pathway of faithlessness. Don't doubt in your heart. All right. Then believe that what you have said will take place. Bible says it will be done for him. There will be a performance of that which you have said. There will be a performance of that which you have said. Okay. Now, it then goes on to say, for this reason, I am telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident. Trust and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. Look at that text again. For this reason, why did Jesus Christ use for this reason in this text? For what reason? 
for the reason or the fact that you can get what you say in prayer for the reason of the fact that you can speak to the mountain and not doubt in your heart and get what you say that what you say you are going to get whatever you say out of your mind you are going to get if you don't doubt in your heart for this reason just kind of gives you what says whatever anything that you ask for in prayer anything you ask for in prayer believe in your heart be confident in your heart that it is already granted to you and you will get it so just guys essentially saying for the purpose of knowing that you would have what you say if you don't doubt in your heart yeah then say what you want know that when you say what you want you are it's already granted to you when you say it in the place of prayer then in the future it will manifest in your life so god is saying to you when you pray believe in the place of prayer that you have received it and the question is if you have received something in the place of prayer you know you have it do you panic do you get excited excitable do you think oh man uh oh, it's not gonna work you you become downcast when we become downcast it's because the devil is trying to shift our attention from the reality that we know that we already have what we pray for people of god i'm not saying this is easy i'm not saying this is that i'm saying at times when you're going through challenges of life and the things are hitting you right there in the face the devil wants you to say words that will contradict what you have already agreed and declared in, in the place of prayer he wants you to counteract what you have said in the place of prayer what you have believed in the place of prayer so that you can nullify your own words now remember this a house divided against itself cannot stand a house divided against itself cannot stand which means if you are not united in your own self in terms of what you are saying what you are seeing in your heart what you are saying out of your mouth if there's no unison in that the bible said that house cannot stand so now when you come to the place of prayer god wants to hold the image of what you want the outcome you want in the place of prayer and he says then vocalize that outcome out of your mouth in the place of prayer believe that you have received because a house divided against itself cannot stand but because you are not divided against yourself your the vision you have in your heart and the words you're speaking in your heart are in synchrony then you, it is granted to you you get what you want because there's unity in your heart you believe in your heart that you have received it right then when you pray believe you have received believe is granted to you because there's unity in your mouth and your heart the bible then says then it will manifest in your future that is really very simple so essentially jesus christ says be confident when you pray because this principle works mark 11 13 says i say unto you whatsoever thing you desire when you pray believe that you have received them and you shall have them i say to you whatsoever thing you desire so when you pray what do you pray your desire he says when you pray whatsoever thing you desire when you pray when you pray not if you pray when you pray which means it's a must you must pray when you pray whatsoever thing you desire is what you pray when you pray believe that you have received them what do you believe you receive your desire that which you pray your desire is what you pray and when you pray your desire believe you have received your desire when do you believe you have received your desire right then when you pray not after you pray not after you pray when you pray believe you have received them now if i have received them in the place of prayer 
when I leave the place of prayer, I don't go about saying nothing is working in my life. These things are not going to work. We're going to lose the house or, uh, or the, the car is going to get broken down and taken away. We don't vocalize those words because we know we have received them. How does this making sense? Now, when what shall manifest in your life after you've believed, it is your desire. When it will manifest, the Bible didn't say when it will manifest. It says you're going to have it. So for some, the manifestation happens immediately. For some of us, manifestation takes six months, five months, one month, maybe even two years. But we don't change our confession. We don't say, no, this thing doesn't work. So let's take an example. When you are evidently sick in your body, what is your desire? For you not to be sick. Your desire is for you to be healed, for you to be whole, for you to operate in divine health. So when you pray, what do you pray? You pray your desire. What is your desire? To be healed or to be whole, to be in divine health. How does this make sense? So when you pray, you will have what you desire. So since I want what I desire, what will I be praying when I pray? I will pray my desire. Some people have destroyed their faith by praying the problem. They have spent so much time, they've become experts in praying the problem, telling God about the problems that they're going through in life. But God says, hang on a minute. I know the problems before they showed, showed up in your life. I'm asking you now to agree with me. To use your mouth for the purpose of which I created your mouth. For creation. Let your mouth do its job. Let your tongue do its job by speaking in tandem with what my word has said, by speaking in tandem with what my son has provided for you. You know, the book of Amos 3.3 says, can two work together except they be agreed? And what this is essentially saying is, can you two of you go in the same direction? They say you are agreed. Think about it this way. You go into a business transaction, you have you go into partnership and you agree the terms of the partnership. You're going to do this, I'm going to do that. You're going to do this, I'm going to do that. Let's imagine all of us constantly, your partner is acting contrary to the agreement. Are you going to work together? You will not work together. Now, in the case of God, God actually entered into a partnership, not with you, but with Jesus. God has a contract or a covenant, as it were, with Jesus, which means everything we receive in this life is because we are in Jesus. It's not because we are acting. First step. So by grace, we receive everything. Whether it is healing, it is manifestation of the miracles of God, it's the blessing of God, it's, it's, it's wealth or riches or whatever it is that you desire. We receive them by grace. We didn't work for them. Okay. But, but, the simple but here is God expects you to understand the terms of that contract, contract or covenant and know how you can take advantage of that covenant so that it will work for you. And what is one of the things he's told us is essentially say is the word of faith that we preach is not like who is going to go to heaven to bring Jesus Christ down from heaven or who is going to go to the to the, the, the to, 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 to shield to bring him up from the dead. No, it says the word of faith that we preach is on our lips, is in our heart, on our lips and in our heart. And he then says, if anyone shall call upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. Which means, because your heart is riddled with this information about who God is, about what you have in Jesus, then you will open your mouth and say what God has said. Hallelujah. 
I believe the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10, I believe verses 9 to 10. Let me see if I can open up in the Bible. It might not be in the note, by the way. Romans chapter 10, I believe. Hallelujah. The Bible here says, Romans chapter 10, verses 8 says, verse 8 says, but what's, what does the word of faith says? The word is near you, even in your mouth and your heart. That is the word of faith. Which we preach the word of faith the word that produces faith the word that is faith leading word is in your mouth and your heart you see you notice the, trans, the, the transition is first in your mouth and then in your heart which means you start to speak the word of god first out of your mouth then it goes into your heart then it builds faith in your heart then that faith that is built in your heart it creates new pictures in your heart then it comes out of your mouth again so to create a change in your life, start first by speaking what God said. In, be, in, be, in the beginning, you might not believe it. In the beginning, you might struggle to believe it. But keep saying what God says over and over. Guess what is going to happen? It's going to go in your heart. When it gets into your heart and becomes uh, uh, becomes real in your heart, then it will manifest again in your mouth. So by the time it becomes real in your heart and it's coming out of your mouth second time, or third time, or fourth time, or fifth time, your mouth begins to believe it your ears begin to believe it your heart begins to get riddled with it then it's going to get to one point one time you say in the name of jesus boom, and you see a result do you see what i'm coming from here so essentially the bible says in verse 9 the bible says the word of faith says if you shall confess with your mouth the lord jesus and you shall believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you shall be saved people have thought this scripture is only referring to our initial salvation but that's not the truth this word salvation here is sozo, which means, you know, to be healed, to be delivered, to be prospered. It's a continuous process. So what God is saying to you here is, you shall confess, say the same thing that God has said about what? The Lord Jesus. Confess that out of your mouth and then believe that in your heart. The Bible says that God did what? That God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. So essentially, God is saying to you here, there's a process. But I want you the kingdom work. The kingdom works. Say it out of your mouth. Believe in your heart. Say out of your mouth, believe in your heart. What? The words of faith. And then salvation manifests in your life. So to receive the salvation of God, you have to say what it says. So, here's an example of what God said. Joel 3 verse 10, the Bible says, Beat your plowshares into swords, and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Why did the Bible not say, let the weak say, I am weak. Let the weak say, I have, I'm, I'm carrying ashes on my head, nothing is working. The Bible didn't say that. Bible said, let the weak say, I'm what? I am strong. So, when you are very tired and you say, oh, I'm strong, I'm strong. Somebody will say to you, oh, you're lying. But you're not lying. What are you doing? You are calling for what you want out of your mouth. You don't have it yet. Remember, if you don't have it, why do you keep saying you don't have it? Because that's never going to produce it. What do you want? You want to have it. So, you say what you want. It is contrary to human logic, but this is the way of faith. Now, when you start on this journey about calling forth what you want, we say to people, do it in private. Somebody will misinterpret you if you do it in, in, in public. Look at what Psalm 107 verse 1, verses 1 to 2 says. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for his good, his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. Verse 2 says, Let the redeemer of the Lord do what? Say so, whom he has delivered from the hand of the adversary. So, the Bible says, if you are redeemed, what should you do? If you are redeemed and you believe that you are redeemed, what should you do? You should say so. You should first of all say, look, I am redeemed. Secondly, if you say, oh, God is good and his mercy endures forever. Then third thing, 
remember that you have been delivered from the hand of the devil. Simple as that. Now, suppose you go about saying, Oh, I'm a wretched sinner, even though you are redeemed. But say, Oh, I'm a wretched sinner. The devil has power over me. I'm not sure God is good to me. God is good to other people, but I'm not sure God is good to me. Maybe I've sinned. Maybe that's why I'm having all this issue going on in my life and nothing ever works on me. Blah, 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 blah. What are you doing? God says, let the redeemer of the Lord say so. The redeemer of the Lord, whom he has delivered from the hand of the adversary. God said they should say so. Say what? That God is good and his mercy and his loving kindness endure forever. They should say they are also redeemed. So boy, when you start to say those words, what are you doing? You are speaking against the truth. Now, you are allowing your vocabulary to line up with... with you are allowing your vocabulary not to line up with God's word, but to line up with the word of the devil. Now, the Bible says it's the truth that you know that will set you free. So because you are speaking against the truth... The truth, therefore, cannot get set you free. Because you are speaking contrary to what God has said about you. So what you are going to continue to experience is what you keep speaking out of your mouth. Why is that? Because the more you say something out of your mouth, the more you have faith in it. The, why? Why is that? Faith comes by hearing. The more you speak, the more you have faith in it. Faith comes by hearing. The more your, 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 ears, hear, your ears hear it, it goes into your heart. The more you repeat it, your, your heart gets more riddled. Because why? Words create pictures. What you hear constantly out of your out of your own mouth, through your own eardrums, create pictures in your heart. If I say to you now, blue aeroplane, a picture will show up in your, in your mind of a blue aeroplane. Your picture that shows up in your own mind and what shows up in my mind might be different, but you see a blue aeroplane. If I say to you, a, 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 a turbo jet, you see another picture. If I say to you, uh, a plane that can land on water, like an amphibian, you see another picture. Why? What's great pictures? So if you keep saying, I'm sick, I'm tired, I'm a sinner, I'm this, nothing works in my life, the devil is having a, a, a share over my life, guess what you're doing? You are speaking words that, that are creating pictures of the devil, of what the devil is doing, of the supremacy of the devil over your life. You are speaking those words out of your, out of your mouth. It's, you are creating pictures of that in your heart. Now, as your heart becomes riddled with those pictures, that it will continue to come out of your mouth with those negative words. And the more you say it, the more negative things become. Why? Because you are filling it with the power. You are filling it with the power. Words create pictures. So we have to be careful what we say. God is going to come through for you. In fact, God has already come through for you. But you must not use your own words to condemn yourself. What some people need really is not deliverance from sickness. What some people, some of us need is what we call a checkup from the neck up. I was telling my daughter during the world, I said, oh, you know what they say? You know what, you know what they mean by check up from the neck up? She didn't understand it. And I said, what it means is change the way you think. Change the way you think, change the way you talk. Check, check up from the neck up. That's what some people need. And you know where it starts from? It starts from the way you use your tongue. Hallelujah. So now I'm going to show you an example about Elijah. How Elijah used his mouth to set the direction of travel for a, an entire nation. It's going to be a blessing to you. All right. So the background to Elijah, the background to Elijah is this. Elijah is a man that the Bible says was a prophet of God. Under the old covenant, a bit of a reminder, nobody has the power that we have in the new covenant. I know that sounds incredible. It's like, oh man, I can't even, I can't even take care of myself. Not to talk of crossing the Red Sea like Moses. You see what I mean? You know, at times when you look at what some of these guys did in the Old Testament, and you look at some of the things that happen in our world today, you think, where have we gone wrong? I'm going to tell you where we've gone wrong. I'm going to tell you where we've gone wrong. You see, under the Old Covenant, God comes upon them to perform miracles. The Holy Spirit comes upon them and he goes away to perform miracles, right? 
now under the new covenant god lives inside of us so shouldn't it be that if god lives inside of us we should do mightier miracles than he did in the old covenant the answer should be yes but a lot of times what we have exposed ourselves to under the new covenant the wrong kind of teachings that make us feel that we're worthless we're not useful messed up with our minds and if you don't believe this is what God has called us. We don't believe what God has said about us. Then we cannot experience what God wants us to experience. During the Bible study on, on Wednesday, I shared something about the Queen of England. And I said, when she was alive, at times when she goes into, when she uh, is, is into this ceremonial, uh, um, uh, when there's a ceremony going on, she wears a ceremonial attire. And you see the crown on her head and you see a staff in her hand. It's called a scepter. The staff. And that staff is a staff of authority. Now that 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 role, that whole royal apartment, that whole royal attire is only worn during ceremonial um, during key ceremonies. You know, the queen doesn't go around with crowns on her head, with a crown on her head all the time, right? You know, at times you see her just wearing a simple dress, right? Okay, she doesn't wear the crown all the time. She doesn't carry the staff all, all all the time. But does that mean that she's not a queen? She is, even though she might be dressing, you know what, a dress down, right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When she, she is coming into some kind of ceremony, you know, I don't know what kind of ceremony they do, but she, she, you see her wear the crown at times, right? You see her carry the staff in her hand, that's a scepter, that's a scepter, uh, which is a, a symbol of authority. It's an imperial symbol of authority, right? Now, it's not just the Queen of England that, you, that, 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 that used to do that. Any royalty, anyone who's a monarch or whatever, will carry that authority. And the, the whole thing about scepter dates well back or way back in the book of Genesis, right? So I'm not going to go into that. But the key thing I said on Wednesday service is this: is that suppose you have, I mean, she's she's, she's late now. God bless her memory. But suppose you have, let's use King Charles. So since for good to understand, so suppose King Charles now, uh, she's not been coronated yet. But suppose suppose she, it was about he comes to power, he, he gets coronated. Now just imagine him sitting on on the, on a chair in a royal on a royal. On the, on the particular, let's say they have a some sort of ceremony, and he sits on the on the on the throne. He's holding this scepter in his hand. He has got a crown in his head. Oh, sorry, he's holding the scepter in his hand, and he has got a crown in his head. And he kept telling himself, "Man, nobody believes me. I'm a, I'm useless. I don't know what to say. I don't have authority here." Oh, 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 oh. And he kept saying those words to himself constantly. You know, he will not be able to issue any command out of his mouth that anybody can follow. Now, not that the people there cannot follow the command. Please pay attention. The people are waiting for him to issue a command and say, this is what we're going to do here. But because he has not believed in himself and he's constantly doubting his own authority, he keeps his mouth shut like this. And because he keeps his mouth shut and without talking, the people that are meant to obey or carry out his commands I just waiting and waiting and say, when is the king going to speak? Do you understand that analogy? Okay, let me bring it back to you as a believer. In the eyes of God, you are no less than King Charles by any standard. In fact, as a matter of fact, you are higher than any earthly king. Why? Because you are the son or the daughter of the king of kings, the ruler of the universe. You belong in the royal household of Jehovah. You are royalty. The blood that flows in your vein is royalty. God has given the earth for you to dominate. In the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, God says, He has given you everything He has created for you to dominate. The word dominate is the word 
to do to control a domain domain is from the word kingdom king's domain god gives you a domain to control so you are a king or you are a queen you are royalty you are someone who has authority so if you were to see yourself in the spirit you actually have a crown on your head you have that scepter also in your own hand okay now but the scepter represents what authority which means when you say go things have to move when you say come things have to come right but suppose you constantly doubt yourself says oh man i'm useless oh i'm a sinner nothing works in my life if you constantly say this you don't carry this consciousness of royalty of the father you have power then the things that are meant to move in your life which will move based on your ability to say what you want will not move and then you just say oh boy this is not working elijah has no no power more than you do what elijah does have i'm going to show you that he carries he carries a consciousness of his position in god and i'm going to show you that's why he's got the power that's why he was able to demonstrate it now do you get there overnight maybe not but do you know how you get there start by saying what god says start by coming or going to churches where they tell you about who you are in jesus where they tell you about the identity of who you are in jesus don't go to places where they beat you down with law and tell you are going to go to hell and then you're useless and worthless and god is just managing you when you go there it messes up with your psyche and when it messes up with your psyche and when you you doubt yourself you don't believe in what you say and because you don't believe in what you say when you come to pray you will not have the confidence that god wants you to have in a place of prayer the bible says when you pray and you don't doubt it yourself. When you say to the mountain, move, and you don't doubt in your heart, you believe what you say, you will come to pass. You shall have what you say. Essentially, if you go into a place of prayer with this mindset of a slave, with the mindset of someone that God is managing, you can't pray bold prayers, and therefore you can't get bold results. Do you understand the analogy here? Okay. So the Bible says, of all the prophets, of all the prophets that have come out in the Bible, there's not one person greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a cousin, I believe, of Jesus. He was the one that was a front runner of Jesus before Jesus Christ showed up, right? He was, he was, uh, he was born so about the same time that Jesus was born before Jesus. Maybe some months between them, right? But the Bible said there was no one. Just Christ said there was no one greater than John the Baptist in all of the people, prophets that have come before. But do you know what Jesus Christ then says? He says, the least in the kingdom of God, in this new kingdom that we belong is greater than John the Baptist, which means you in the reckoning of God are greater than John the Baptist. And now John the Baptist is greater than Elijah. So you can see you are here. John the Baptist is here. Elijah is here. But now, but look at what this Elijah did, who is way, way on the ladder of authority in the eyes of God is way, way below you. Look at what he did. And I want to show you something that Elijah knew that possibly we don't know. And that is where the breakthrough will come for you and I. Hallelujah. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, the Bible says here, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Now, I want to spend some time to talk about this scripture here. This guy said, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, 
is talking about a God who is alive. Oh, Master Taribo Shandari is talking about a God who is always alive, whose words is yes and amen. He's talking about a God who determines boundaries. He's talking about a God who shows up in the middle of nowhere and says, let there be light. He's talking about a God who says to death situation, Lazarus, rise up and walk. He's talking to a God who talks to the woman, uh, the, the girl uh, that, 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 that the Bible said was dead and just guys went into the room and said, Talita kume, little girl, I say unto you, rise up and walk. He's talking about a God who holds life and death in his hands. He's talking about a God who holds the universe in his hand. He's talking about a God who determines the boundaries of the oceans. He's talking about a God who is alive forevermore. He's talking about the omnipotent God. He's talking about the great potentate God. He's talking about a God who is always and always will be. On, it, is, it cannot be challenged. It cannot be dethroned. It cannot be taken out of power. He's talking about this God. He said, the God before whom I stand. Uh, I stand before God and I am issuing this command with the consciousness that I stand before God whose words is whose words are finer. I hope you understand that. This is the clause here. Before whom I stand. He is making his boast. He's making his declaration with the consciousness that he is standing before the God. Before God who knows all things, who does all things. He's standing before God who is all powerful. What does it mean that he's standing before God? Essentially, he's saying, I am in the presence of the king. I am his ambassador. I have his authority and whatever I say goes because I am coming from the presence of God. You know what Ejah Gabriel said, said to Zechariah in the book of Luke chapter 1? When Ejah Gabriel came to Zechariah to talk about the birth of this John the Baptist I mentioned earlier. Ejah Gabriel said to Zechariah, when Zechariah did not believe what Gabriel was saying to him about the birth of, of John because you know Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth has been been, been married for many years and they're they are now in old age. It's, it's impossible for them to have children in the natural. And Gabriel said, Look, your your child, your your wife is gonna be pregnant. And Zechariah said, How am I gonna believe this thing? Mean I'm this old or something like that. And Gabriel said to him, Because you did not believe me, I am Gabriel. And I brought you this message from the presence of God. Because you did not believe me, you are going to be mute until this child is born. Essentially, God out of grace shut up the mouth of Zechariah so that he will not use his mouth to counteract what God is about to do in his life. But the key thing I want to bring out is, Gabriel said, I stand before God. I am Gabriel. I came from the presence of God, which means I carry a message from God. I'm his representative. I'm his, uh, 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 I'm, his, I'm his emissary. I'm the one who's been sent around to go and do this for you. Uh, the word I carry, they are not my words. The words I carry are not my words. They are the words of the king. They are the words of the one who says, let there be light. And there was light. There was, they are the words of the one who says to, to the Red Sea, now part, let my people go through. And, and the Red Sea had no choice but to obey. This is the one who has sent me on this message. I hope you understand that. So there's a consciousness that Elijah had when he was issuing this decree that a lot of believers, some believers don't have. We don't have this consciousness that we have in God and he is in us and that we can never be separate from him. At times we carry a slavish mindset like God is just tolerating us and because you have this mindset of God tolerating you, you have no boldness in the place of prayer. 
And when you have no boldness in the place of prayer, you become like that example I gave of the king who has the staff of authority, but constantly doubts himself, therefore refuses to speak. People of God, you must learn to open your mouth by the grace of God. Open your mouth to say what you want, but carry this consciousness that you are standing before the king of the universe. He is not just king to you, he is your own daddy. Hallelujah. So Elijah said, Before God, before whom I stand, the God before whom I stand, I am now saying to you, I'm making, I'm setting the direction of travel for this entire nation. There shall neither be dew nor rain for this years, except by my word. Elijah set the atmosphere of an entire country by his word. So for three years, there was drought in the land. Why did he do that? Well, he did that first. Just for the record, as a judgment called on the wicked king, the king that was in power then was Ahab was very wicked. So he brought judgment on them and there was a lot of idol worshippers. So he brought judgment on them by the spoken word, right? Now, that got me thinking, could you and I determine the atmosphere of our neighborhood? I said, I guess the answer is yes. Not guess, I believe the answer is yes. How do we do that? By the spoken word, by the word of faith. The Bible says, Hebrews 11, verse 3. Remember I said that before. By faith we believe that the word was the word was framed by the spoken word of God. If God framed the world, the world by his word, you can frame your neighborhood, you can frame your life, you can frame your nation by the spoken word. Yesterday in Bible in, in prayer meeting, I asked that the church members pray for the country in which they live. And I'm saying, pray for your country. Because God has placed you here as an ambassador. You don't just sit and say, whatever will be, will be. No, whatever will be, will not be. You are the one in charge. Say what you want over your country. Say, it is well with my country. Say, it is well with my country. Say that the enemy cannot take charge of this country. As long as I live, I fight for where I live. I fight for the future generation of my children. I fight, I stand, I pray. I forbid negative things from happening. You have to say that. If you don't do that, listen to me. The devil will come through different different ch channels, through the media, through all sort of political agenda to permit his, his message. But we stand on the word of God. Hallelujah. So, confession sets the answers before you. So, how did Elijah set the drought in motion? I got this answer in the book of James chapter 5, verse 16 to 17. The Bible here says, Confess therefore your sins one to another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The supplication of a righteous man availed much in its working. Elijah was a man of like passions with us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth for three years and six months. So now here's the, the Bible here says Elijah is a man like us, and he prayed for three years, he prayed fervently for three years that it might not rain. What was Elijah's desire? That it might not rain. What did he pray for? That it might not rain. And what was the outcome? It did not rain on the earth. For how long? For three years and six months. Again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Jesus Christ says, when you pray, when you, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe you have received them, then you are going to have them. Whatever you desire, what do you desire? Then pray your desire. Elijah, Elijah here wanted rain not to happen. So he prayed fervently for that his desire. And it did not rain. This again is a principle. 
Now, I want you to back up a bit in this text. I want to share something beautiful that I see about confession. Verse 16 says, Confess therefore your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The supplication of a righteous man availeth much in its working. Before you then started talking about Elijah. So I've covered Elijah a bit. I'm going to come back to it in a moment. But I want to talk to you about this, this bit about confession. You know, when you read this text, some people have interpreted this text to say, say that you are a sinner one to another. Or say that, oh man, something, you know, look at what I've done. I'm a sinner. I've messed up, blah, blah. But if you look at it carefully, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you take the word confess to mean, say what is, say what God says. It means you could say, confess therefore your sins one to another. Say what God says about your sins to one another. And then pray for one another. Two things. So when you come to the place of prayer, confess. If Even if you have, you have messed up, you have done something wrong, say what God says about that sin to one another. Then pray for one another. How do you do that? Let's even say somebody get caught up in you, 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 you got caught up in stealing or defrauding people. Now, here's the thing. Remember, as a child of God, you should not be doing that. You should not be doing that. Why? Because you are ambassador. Everything in this world already belongs to you. Why steal something from your own self? Everything in the world belongs to you. Why go and steal something from your own self? You see, people that steal or defraud other people, they have a, um, a lack mindset, a scarcity mindset. And it's a mindset that they every time say, oh, things are running out. Let's grab what we can. But that's not who you are. You're a child of God, right? So first of all, don't get into that kind of level. But let's suppose you find yourself in that level. Remember, you, you, you're not there out of choice. You know, you're not there because you just want to rebel against God. No, you, you happen to find yourself in there. Please try to understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying, oh, it's okay to go and do whatever you like. No, I'm saying if you find yourself in a place where you, you are, you've compromised your faith, right? What should you do? Bible said, confess your sin one to another. What should you say? Confess means say what God said about your sin to one another and then pray for one another. So you acknowledge that say, this behavior is wrong, but God has forgiven me already. Father, therefore, I bask and I relax and I receive the forgiveness that you have given to me already, even before I sinned in the name of Jesus. Now I'm stepping out of this way. And I'm, by your grace, I'm living the life that you have chosen for me. I'm walking the narrow path that you have set for me in the name of Jesus. Then begin to pray for one another. You know what you've done there? Basically, you are saying what God said about your sin, that your sins have been forgiven. You are saying what God says about your sin. You are acknowledging that what God says about your sin is correct. And as you acknowledge that, they, what you are basically doing is that you are agreeing with God. You are working with God. You are saying, this behavior is beneath me. I'm royalty. I'm not meant to walk, act like this. This is beneath me. So I refuse to act like this. But God has already forgiven this sin. So Father, I thank you in your forgiveness. Now, what do you do? You start to walk in the, this other pathway. Let me show you what God said about your sin. So that somebody will not think, oh, this guy is saying heresy. Psalm 103 verses 1, verses 11 to 12. The Bible says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his love for those who fear him. Verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. The Bible says, if you stand here and somebody is going to the, to the east, somebody is going to the west, if you stand here and you're going in that same straight direction, you will never meet. The Bible says the same way east is far from west that they will never touch. That is the way we have been separated from sin. Let us think it. You have been separated from sin. Never to come together again. Now, I will show you 
what the Bible then says in the New Testament. And in the New Testament, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, in the Passion Translation, is very beautiful. It says, The realm of death. Now, death is a consequence of sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin, the salary that sins pay, is death. Right? The wages of sin is death. Okay? But the gift of God is righteousness through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible here says, Colossians 2, 13, the realm of death, which is brought about by the wages of sin, by sin. Okay? The realm of death, death describes our former state, how we used to be before we gave our lives to Jesus. That is our former state. Why was it our former state? For we were held in sin's grasp. Sin was what held us in its grasp. And what sin produces, the wages that sin pays, is what? Is death. So because sin held us in its grasp, in its grasp, past tense, the natural outcome of our lives is death, the realm of death. And when we have talked about death, it's not just talking about physical death, it's talking about separation from God, not having the life of God in you, right? Everything that produces death is not meant to operate in your life because now you are in the life. You are in the light. Amen? But the Bible says, but now. That word now means this is what is the current reality. Now is what? You have been resurrected out of that realm of death. God has taken you out of the realm of death. Never to return. Never to return. Just as the east is far from the west, that they will never meet. God essentially saying, you will never return to the realm of death. Why is that audacious statement possible? The next text says, For we are forever alive and forgiven for all our sins. Under the new covenant, I show you under the old covenant, God has removed our transgression from us as far as the east is from the west. Under the old new covenant, what did he say? We are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. That's the reason why we are never to return to the realm of death. I hope you, you get the correlation. Okay, so when the Bible says, when somebody is sick and somebody is saying, oh, you are sick because you are, you, have, you, have, you are a sinner. You are sick because you have committed sins. That can be right. Sickness did not come upon you because you are walking in sin. Sickness came upon you because things happen in the world. There are unbelievers today that are living in good health. Is it that God loves them more than he loves you? Why did God not put sickness on the unbelievers? But now he's putting it on his own children. I mean, you wouldn't do you would not do that to your own child, will you? Of course you would do that. So you see, at times we, we get so religious and we mess up our minds by not believing what the Bible said. So if somebody is sick, the Bible says, because in this text, this text that I read in James chapter 5, verse 16, Bible says, confess your sin one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Somebody may say, You see, you see now, tell, tell yourself, Oh, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. Then let them pray for you. Then that's when your healing will come. That's not what this is saying. It's saying, Acknowledge what God has done about that sin, that sinful behavior. Acknowledge what God has done about it. What has God done about it? He has forgiven you for all your sins. Then pray for one another. Then you can expect to be healed. Why is this important? When you confess your sin one to another, you know, you cannot say to yourself, oh, this is this sin has been forgiven in Jesus' name. There's no sin in my life. You can't just say that without acknowledging the Father, oh, that behavior does not glorify God. You say, look, you know what? This behavior, Father, I acknowledge that this behavior that I've engaged myself in does not glorify you. And Father, I'm sorry for that. But Lord, I thank you 
that these sins, according to Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, has been forgiven. I have been resurrected from the realm of death, never to return. Daddy, I'm so thankful and grateful that Jesus Christ did not wait for me to commit any sin before he paid for them. He paid for them before I showed up. So, Father, I confess that my sins are forgiven in the name of Jesus. Lord, now I speak life over my body, over my organs, over that part of my body that requires healing. I declare that in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. The Bible says, then, when you pray like that, you may be healed. So, you know what the Bible is teaching you? Deal with the thing that brings guilt and condemnation into your heart first. See what God says about what, what God has done for you. Declare over what you want. Pray one for another. When you pray for one another, what do you pray? You pray your desire. You pray healing. You declare what you want. The Bible said that you'll be healed. Now, this is another phrase on the back of this text that then says, The supplication of a righteous man have led much in his working. The Bible says, The prayer of a righteous person makes tremendous power available. You know what this is saying is that if you have a consciousness of guilt and condemnation, your prayer will not amount to much. So you can see how confessing your sin one to another, saying what God says about your sin, which brings you an awareness of your right standing before God, makes your power prayerful, powerful. When you don't have a right consciousness of your God, uh, of your right standing in God, of your right, if you don't have a righteousness consciousness, but rather you have a sinful consciousness, if you don't have a righteous, righteous consciousness, your prayer will not go anywhere because you are constantly going to sabotage your prayer by constantly telling yourself, I'm not worthy, not it's going to work in my life, God will not answer my prayer, and so on and so forth. I hope that makes sense to you. All right. So the Bible is essentially saying, confess to one another when you're sick what God has said about your sin because under the old covenant, sickness is a product of sin. Right? Say what God has said about your sin. Say, sickness is not from God. I am not a sinner, I am a saint, and it is, it is my inalienable right to receive divine health. Sickness is, not, sickness is not allowed in my body. I am not paying for any sin as, as, as my record has been wiped clean. I am healed. I am restored in the name of Jesus Christ. Confess that out of your own mouth. Don't let the devil cheat you. Confess your sin one to another. Say what God says about that sin to one another. Then pray for one another. Say Pray your desire. Pray what you want. Speak about healing instead of sickness in the place of prayer. Then you may be healed. So, remember, if you find yourself living a dodgy life, know that God is not the one who has afflicted you with sickness as a product of that dodgy life. No. It is, you got dodginess into your body for whatever reason, but it's not God. Because God has already paid, Christ has already paid it for the penalty of any sin that you may be committing or you've committed. So, sin it's not an issue here. See, it's not an issue here. The issue here essentially is you got sick for whatever reason. God did not bring it. But God says, even when the devil brings thought into your mind about the fact that you've messed up along the way, just see what God said, has said about your sin, that your sins have been forgiven. If you find yourself living dodgy lives, please repent. Go back and start living right. But you're not living right because that's what is going to give you healing. You're living right because that's what a child of God should do. You should live right because you are representing your father. So let's go back to Elijah. Let's go back to Elijah. Let's go back to that Elijah as I round up. James 5 17 says, Elijah was a man of like passions with us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth for three years and six months. Elijah got what he wanted because he confessed what he wanted. He said it out of his mouth, and God backed him up. Now, in in um, 1 Kings chapter 17, this is where he set the 
pathway of that entire nation. For three years and six months, there was no rain. How did he do it? He had a consciousness of the God before whom I stand. That he represents God. And that whatever he says goes. That his words carry power. That the words he says, he says. The words he speaks. You know, set the direction of travel for whatever he wants. So, question is, what are you going to say today? Now, remember the Bible says, John the Baptist is greater than Elijah. And you are greater than John the Baptist in the kingdom of God. But how does the kingdom of God work? Kingdom works this way. The kingdom of God, in the book of Mark chapter 4, I believe I shared that in the first session, it's like a man should go out and plant the seed in the ground. And the man goes to sleep, wake up, rise up and wake up and sleep. And then the seed grows up, producing fruit. The man does not know how. The kingdom of God is like a person plant the seed in the ground. The parable of the soul makes us understand that the seed is the word of God. So the parable is essentially saying to you, in the kingdom of God, we sow seeds by words in the, in the ground of our hearts and we produce results. We don't know how, but that's the law of creation. Now the scripture in the book of Genesis chapter 1 that says, every seed produces after its kind. That is the law of creation. Every seed we always produce after its kind. So the words you speak will produce after its kind. Because words are what? Words are seeds. Words are seeds and will produce after its kind. So, sow words of fear, you get fear back in your life. Sow words of peace, you get peace back. Sow words of prosperity, you get prosperity. Sow words of sickness, that's exactly what you're going to get. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 26, Isaiah 43, verse 26, Jesus, the Bible says, Put me in remembrance. Let us pray together. This is God's thing. Let us have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. Now, in that conversation, you declare what you want. And then you may be justified. Declare you that you may be justified. So, God, did God forget when he said, put me in remembrance? No. He's saying, in my presence, when you come to my presence, we're having a conversation. Repeat what I have already said about you. Declare it. It is when you declare it that you will be justified. In fact, this scripture aligns with Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew when he says, by your words, you're justified. By your words, you're condemned. The word justified in that text is as you ought to be. Essentially, God is saying, by your own words, your life will be as it ought to be. By your own words, your life will be condemned. It is your words. So when God says, put me in remembrance, let us pray together, he's not saying, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I forgot what I said. No. He's asking you to say it. Say what I say what he has said about you when you come to his presence. Declare it. When you declare it, you are justified. If, when you say it in his presence, when you say his words back to him, right? You are setting your life in the way you ought to be. Praise God forevermore. Isaiah 55, verse 11, as I now begin to round up. The Bible here says. Um, I'm going to start from verses 7 actually, from verse 7 to 11. The Bible says, Let the wicked live behind his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord. And he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The Bible is saying, When somebody is wicked, when somebody is unrighteous, they should return to God. 
God will have, not may have, not might have. God will have. When you come back to him, he will have compassion on you. So this was somebody who has never given his life to Jesus. Right now, you have been hearing this message. You haven't given your life to Jesus. God says to you, come back, come home. I will have compassion on you. I will abandon pardon you. Abundantly pardon. You are going to get more than you deserve. So right now, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to call you before I finish this service to just bow your head. Now, it's very simple. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died as you and died for you. And he paid the penalty for your sins. The Bible says after three days he was raised from the dead because it's justified. It's righteous. So the, the penalty for any sin you have ever committed and what you are going to commit in the future has already been dealt with at the cross 2,000 years ago. You are not meant to pay the price. You cannot pay the price, by the way. No price is sufficient because... We're not worthy enough to pay the price, but Christ paid the price on our behalf. And God is essentially saying, believe in the sacrifice that my son has made on your behalf. Believe in your heart. The Bible says, when you believe that in your heart and you declare that out of your mouth, you say, I believe that Christ died for me and has died as me. My sins have been paid for by the blood of Jesus. Now I give my life to Jesus. When you say that, says Jesus Christ, you are now my Lord. I make you my Lord and Savior. Have me as my Lord and Savior. The Bible says, you're saved. So, Bible says, with the heart, Romans chapter 10, verse 10, I believe, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the heart, you believe what I've just said. But with your heart, you declare, you confess. You say what God says, and you become saved. Very simple. Are you ready? Say with me, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for paying the price that I ought to pay. Thank you for saving me. This day, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for having me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Simple. If you say that out of your mouth, you believe that in your heart. The Bible says you are saved. And I want to welcome you to the family of my Father. All right? God bless you. All right, let's go back to the text. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 now. The Bible says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. No, I always my ways, declares God. We can, the way God thinks and the way the world system thinks, or some people, some even believers will think, is different. God doesn't see you as a sinner. God sees you as a righteous person, right? And the ways of God are not our ways. The way God manifests his ways is different from the ways, the way in which we manifest our own ways. The first night says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. God's essentially saying, you can't compare the way I think and the way you think, the, the way I manifest my ways and the way you manifest your way. They are like miles apart, right? You know, the same way the heavens are higher than the earth, so they are just wide apart, right? Always higher than your ways and my thought higher than your thought. Okay. Now look at what was there says. God essentially is saying, teaching you something that there's a way you think that's different from the way I think. In the context of what we're talking about, the way we think and the way God thinks, let's look at it. God says, For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bear and sprout, and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Stop. The Bible says, the rain and snow come down from heaven. For what purpose? To water the earth and cause the earth to produce fruit. And in the process of producing fruit, the rain and snow that come down from earth, to, to, from the heaven to water the earth, to make the earth to produce fruit, will do something. It will give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Okay. Please understand that. The rain and snow come from heaven to water the earth. Okay. And 
when he waters the earth, the earth will produce fruit. But hang on a minute. When it produces fruit, how did, where did the seed come from? Where? When the water comes on the earth, the earth produces fruit. This is according to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, the earth should produce fruit-bearing trees that produce seed after their kind. So, the earth has an original intent. The earth has original seed that God, by his spoken words, have put on the ground. Yeah? So, when the rain comes, it works on the seed that God has already put in there and produces the plant. The plant then produces seed that you, as a human being, now you now take and go and replant. That is the way it works. So, in the beginning, God, by his spoken word, put the seed in the ground for the ground to produce the, the tree. The tree essentially brings, brought up, no, sorry, the earth brought up the trees that we see. But the trees produces seed after its own kind that humans then take and replant in the ground. And the ground has no choice but to reproduce. The, the ground is there to always produce whatever is planted in it. But the seed must be planted first. But the original seed was planted by God by his spoken word. And he spoke to the earth and said, Now, based on the seed I've planted in there, bring tree out. But the tree that you bring out, so that I don't have to recreate all the time, the seed that you the tree that you bring out must have seed by themselves that can reproduce after their own kind. So that you understand what I'm saying now. Okay, so when he's talking about this here, it says the rain come down, the snow come down to water the earth. The earth will produce fruit and bear forth fruit will produce seed, uh, tree and bear forth fruit that's based on the original intent now the fruit will produce seed so that somebody can go and sow it and it will also produce bread somebody can eat it so this is the continuation of creation the first bit when the rain comes down to the earth to water the earth is the original creation all right because when the rain comes down it, it makes the earth to produce the tree the tree produces seed and it produces bread, right? Seed is taken to replant to continue the act of creation. This is the man's the, the effort of you now taking the seed to then replant and replant and replant. But as you replant the seed, the seed, the, the earth that you are planting the seed in has no choice but to reproduce that seed after its kind. So the way to understand this is God has an original intent that he has set in motion. Everything comes from God. But your responsibility is to cooperate with the law of God by taking the seed produced by the tree and go and plant it so that you can continue to continue the recreation of that which was already created. But the plant also produced bread so you can eat. Okay, so you, you got the analogy. Let me now explain to you how does that relate to the word, spoken word. The Bible says, so will my word which goes out of my mouth. The same with the rain, the snow and the rain Waters, water the earth and cause the earth to produce fruit and give seed to the soul and bread to the eater is the same way the word that God has spoken out of his mouth. That's the same way it will not return empty, useless, without result. It will accomplish what God desires and it will succeed in the matter in which God has sent it. What does that have to do with you? Essentially, what he's saying here, the word of God coming from the mouth of God, which is the word of God coming from your mouth, will act as a snow and rain that come down on the earth. The earth now here is what? Is your heart. Alright? And essentially what he's saying here, you speak the word of God out of your mouth. The word of God out of your mouth will come upon your heart. 
and it will marinate your heart and it will cause your heart to produce what fruit the fruit will be another seed like another kind of words of god that will come out of your mouth that you keep planting keep planting it will also produce fruit that you can eat so usually bible essentially says this unfailing law of life when you say the word of god out of your mouth will produce result for you it will act as the same way the rain and snow will come on the earth and produce uh, cause the earth to produce fruit that you can get seed out of it and you can get bread out of it so your confession of the word of god out of your own mouth is like it's like the rain and the snow that comes upon the earth that comes upon the earth the earth here is your heart so when you speak the word of god out of your mouth you say what god says out of your mouth it registers on your heart and when it registers on your heart it causes your heart now to produce more seed more word of god right and it manifests in fruitfulness in your life so your confession is therefore a seed that produces after its kind is also a bread that fills your belly so when you have words of god coming out of your mouth you are doing two things you are sowing seeds into your own heart that will produce more of the word of god in your heart more of faith filled words coming out of your heart more of the faith filled life manifesting in your life but it also produces results in your life so the word of god spoken out of your mouth therefore has a two-pronged approach it creates more faith in your heart it produces tangible results outwardly that's what it does praise god the bible says in proverbs chapter 18 verse 20 a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his own mouth and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled this scripture is saying the word that you speak out of your mouth will put money in your pocket we put food on your table the word that you speak out of your mouth will set your life in the way you should go the question is what do you want to say today what are you going to say today listen if you don't control your tongue your, your tongue will control you your tongue can set your life on fire the bible says in james chapter 1 verse 26 if a person thinks he is religious but cannot control his tongue he is fooling himself that person's religion is worthless bible essentially saying if you can't control your tongue your heart is already deceived you are deceived okay so if you want to get results and make your christian work fruitful choose your words carefully be wise in using your tongue the way god uses his own tongue <laughs> speak truth boldly condemn negative words and voices when any tongue any word any voice any language rises up against you it is your responsibility to do what to condemn such 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 words such tongue such voice such language hallelujah so i want you to give voice to the word of god today now say with me i am blessed i am prosperous i am healthy i am confident i am successful i am bold i am secured i am an expression of god on the earth hallelujah say that believe that and receive it working in your life praise god forevermore one last thing i want to say quickly our mobile app is now out you will see a small reel at the end of the, of the service on how you can download the app uh, please make sure you use the app because we're going to be pushing everything through the app going forward god bless you i'll see you soon thank you for worshiping with us we hope you enjoyed the sermon we were blessed to have you we hope to see you again on wednesday for midweek service at 6 p.m uk time 
morning prayers every Saturday at 6 a.m. UK time and Sunday service at 8 a.m. UK time. The replay for today's service will premiere on YouTube at 10 a.m. UK time. For love offering, kindly use the bank details on your screen or you can scan the QR code on your screen to give via PayPal. We invite you to join our monthly Practicality of Grace series every first Wednesday of the month. The series features discussions with guests who take your questions and show you how to practically apply God's grace in different areas of your life. You can send your anonymous questions to the live chat on the website at www.thelighthouse.org. That is www.thelighthouse.org. Or you can send an email to lights at thelighthouse.org. Would you like us to pray with you? Kindly click the link that pops up in the live chat and fill the form or you can visit our website at www.thelighthouse.org and fill the request form. You can now book a counseling or prayer session with Pastor Davis on Calendly. Visit the link on the website or in the description box and follow the instructions to book a session. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok on the username that is displayed on the screen. Don't forget to comment, like, and share our messages. Until next time, remain in your identity in Christ Jesus.